Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's tremendous episode is with one of my favorite people on the planet, Miss Whitney Miller. Whitney is one of the most spontaneous, fun, bright, vibrant human beings um, that I have come across on this world. Uh, she's also a relationship coach and the host of the True Sex and Wild Love podcast with the also very beautiful and intelligent Miss Wednesday Martin or Dr. Wednesday Martin. Uh, really tremendous conversation. We get into all things sexuality, uh, masturbation, um, self-love, touch, all sorts of good stuff. I think it's a really valuable conversation for anybody that's interested in having a positive human experience. Uh, thanks so much for checking out the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. Uh, people have been really digging the five-day movement challenge. Super simple, super free. Uh, jump on there and uh, we'll send you out basic fundamentals of how to integrate more effective movement into your daily existence. Important stuff. Get your body stronger, leaner, more flexible uh, just by living your life. Um, this conversation is brought to you by the Align Method Online program and y'all can start it do a seven-day free trial, absolutely no strings attached. If you're not absolutely in love with it, you just uh, cancel. That's the end of it. Uh, no big deal. And uh, break down self-care practices, break down fundamental movement techniques on how to unwind some of these unsightly patterns of staring at technology. So forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, hunched over spine, knees collapsing in and bl- the whole thing. Uh, really good stuff. And people have been digging that thing. So you can find it at alignpodcast.com slash align method uh, or go to align podcast on Instagram and the link is in the bio. All right. I hope you guys devour this conversation and uh, greatly appreciate you all's existence. Here we go. Back to the program with the beautiful Whitney Miller. Align podcast. So last night you did sex magic. Yes. And I still don't actually know what that means. It was magical. What is this sex magic you speak of? So basically the thing with sex magic is like using your sexual energy to manifest. Mm. Right. So like you build. So basically I showed up and there was this beautiful fire and there was a few other women there and flowers and we had our own little like launch pad i don't know what you want to call it but a beautiful orgasm pad (laughs) and you would go and and lay there and you would be guided through this meditation basically so the first 10 minutes was just kind of pleasuring your body and in yourself not not so much sexually like just really loving on yourself and like for me i love like back scratches and like body scratches and so I was just like softly you know scratching my skin and my head and just really like loving up on myself and I feel like people don't do that nearly enough Um, and so that was really nice and then you start to um, harness and cultivate your sexual energy and you start in your root and then you move up through the chakras and then when you're about to orgasm you burst your intention into the cosmos and then boom it's manifested I mean I'm not sure but Damn. That's at least what I did. How do we do this step by step? How does that actually, what does this actually look like? So are you like masturbating as you're doing this? Are you visualizing energy moving? What the hell does that mean in the first place? Right. So just like she had a really good way of putting it, which is like like circulating the energy in that specific area and drawing in because it's the full moon. So drawing in the full moon energy into that. 
um, and then going into your creative space. And for me personally, like my sexual desire and my heart are very connected. So if I don't feel safe or something with a partner, even though if I've been with them for a very long time, if there's any resentments or fears or insecurities, it cuts off my sexual desire, even if I'm very physically attracted to them. Yeah. Um, and so when we got to that heart, it was really about opening my heart with that sexual energy. And it was like my my heart chakra and my whole chest was just opening up and it was like pulsating, which was amazing. <laughs> it was really beautiful to actually experience what they mean by the sex magic. Because you, you think you can get there and you can just, you know, masturbate in a circle and we'll just kind of see if you come or not or whatever. I mean, that was like me going into it because I had no idea what I was doing and I had resistance going into it too. Um, but it was really awesome and magical to feel why they do this and why it's important. And anyone can do this. Like you can do this by yourself. How do you do it by yourself? You just take yourself through the sexual energy and like masturbate and think through your chakras and really like get present with your chakras and then have something that you really want in your life, something that you truly deeply desire, whether it's a project that you're working on or whether it's something like internal, if you just want, you know, bliss and and happiness or if you want to be a fuller expression of yourself and really like bring that into every chakra and you'll be in that area for, I guess we were there for about five minutes in each place. So men would be the same thing? I think so. I mean, look, this is the first time I've done that. I'm not, I am not like a, an expert well, on sex magic, but experience I do now it. have experience. So the first time I did it was last night and, you know, literally I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, what do you experience with, do you experience with doing similar stuff like that in the past? Like intentional ceremonial orgiastic type things or is this is like the beginning no, of that exploration this is the beginning of that exploration cool i'm very excited about it yeah i'm excited about it too just for the for like the story i want to be able to talk about these things and just put myself in kind of uncomfortable situations like i said i had resistance going to this sex magic gathering where i'm going to masturbate in front of women that i've never i've never done before sounds a little funny yeah exactly <laughs> and we were outside in like the lawn like i'm just masturbating outside in the lawn with a fire and f- four other women doing the same thing yeah that's good yeah i got invited to a, a sex party you should go it's the when same it? place oh yep mm-hmm. out in the lawn yeah, Lawn I sex know. Party. We were talking about that last night. I'm not going to be there. Unfortunately, I have my other sex party to go to. It's all You've female got another sex, sex party. party to go to. Mm-hmm. That one's in New York. In New York. Cool. Skirt Club. What's yeah. that, that going to be all about? Well, you know, I've never attended, so <laughs> maybe we should have another podcast we'll do another. next week, and I'll let you know how it goes. You have done sex parties, though. Not official ones. You've never done a sex party? Mm-mm, no, never oh, like damn. an official play party. I mean, oh, I've so had we'll be, like explore, we'll explore pop our sex sexual, party jer- you know, gatherings. Yeah. But it's always kind of been like, yay, let's all hook up. It's never been come with your intention and um, meet these people and just kind of explore how, how it goes. But I've always been keen and interested to explore that. And I think it's a beautiful place for that like I love people going into an area without shame and like diving into that if it comes up um and being surrounded by like-minded individuals in that in that space yeah so the thing that pops up for me with it is going to a bunch to a place uh with a bunch of people that I very likely will know probably like 
I don't know, right. 75% of the people there is my guess. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably see them at the grocery store like the following day. Mm-hmm. And so there's an interesting kind of like barrier there that I have that I'm examining. I'm like, well, who the fuck cares? Right. Or should I care? No. Oh, good. I don't think you should care. I mean, you guys are all there for a reason. They're probably thinking the same exact thing, right? Like, they're having the same thoughts come up, yeah. you know? Yeah. I always think, I was just having a conversation earlier today about going to a sex party and hooking up with someone that I wouldn't normally hook up with. Like, someone that I'm not 100% drawn to physically, maybe. You know, and just like getting past that, getting past that, like the physical exterior of their meat sack yeah, and trying to connect past that, Have you done I that? think would be really interesting. This is a hypothetical. This is a hypothetical. I just came up with that idea today. <laughs> I like <laughs> this, this morning. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. I get really wrapped up in the physical part and then I find myself that, I mean, that's, it's very short lived, you know, if that's the, if that's the thing that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. How did you get to the point of, of actually, what are the steps in your journey to get to the point of actually feeling your heart open in that orgiastic circle last night? Because I think that just jumping to that point of like feeling the sensation that you described, that's like, I think that's like some high level stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a process. It's been all my whole life probably. And I only became aware of the correlation between my heart opening and my sexual desire um, in my relationship. We know we were together for a really long time, seven years, and there was this, you kind of get to a point where it's like, hmm, maybe I just don't really want to have sex anymore. But Hmm. it's like, that's not the case because I still found him incredibly attractive. So it didn't make any sense to me, right? Yeah. Like if you find someone so attractive and you're in love with them, but there's something blocking the sexual desire, it was confusing. And so I had to figure that out. Was this Aubrey? Yeah. Mm. And so I started like, I was talking to him about it and I started to Aubrey about it and I started to like dive into that a bit more. And I realized every time I felt really safe and really loved in the relationship, that's when I wanted to open up. Anytime we had like troubles or, you know, we were arguing or there was just something that was off, I felt, um, I, I could not really like open up to him in that way. But he was fine. Like it didn't bother him. So I knew it was something going on within me. Yeah. And so I think as I became more aware of that and I started doing some, I did some sound healing around that exact thing. Um, and then I also have my boyfriend, Ricky, who he's a very stable, um, like constant love. Like it doesn't go anywhere. It's always very, very constant. Like I know. I know that he's going to be there. I know he's going to love me. So my sexual desire didn't fluctuate between that. And so it was like, I really kind of put a magnifying glass on what was going on. Um, and I did some sound healing and it was interesting because I did it with my girlfriend, Vailana, and I didn't really talk to her much about this, but she was like really in your root in your heart. Like those are the two areas. A lot of the times I have to work on my voice Hmm. and that's something that's challenging for me. Um, really like fully expressing, when it comes to like singing basically. Yeah. Um, but at this time it wasn't there. It was just totally in my heart and my root. And I was like, wow, so interesting. So I just started like really getting aware of it. And, and then it came up in that, in that, um, ceremony last night. And it wasn't, you know, like hearing the other girls and women moan or anything. It didn't like turn me on sexually. Like it wasn't a sexual response to it. It was like, this is beautiful and how it's supposed to, go yeah 
So do you think the other having alignment of the, the voice and the, and the root and the heart and all that, that leads to almost like a higher resonance of all of them at the same time, I guess. Mm -hmm. What about, what about the experience you had at the, when you were singing in front of the, all the peoples, was that, what what was the deal with that? Well, so I went down to Soltara and I did four ayahuasca ceremonies and I've always had this huge fear of singing constantly. And I didn't think that like it went over into everyday life, but if you have a fear like that, it is kind of conducting how you go through life, regardless who you talk to, what you say, if you hold yourself back, when you really open up. And so if you can overcome that fear as much as possible or flex that muscle, it allows you to flow through life way easier. Um, and so for me, it was going into ceremony and one of the ceremonies for me was, I I felt like I was pregnant with fear. Like my stomach was very distended. Like I was sitting like on my knees. Like I felt like I was trying to birth this fear out of me and I just could not get it out. It just wouldn't come out. I couldn't purge. I couldn't do anything. And finally the shaman came around and he started singing his Ikaro. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to purge this fear out. But it was like, mm mm-mm. You can't purge it out. You have to take it into the physical. Um, And I had this big knot in my stomach and I was like rolling it around in my stomach and basically had the message that said, if you allow fear to control your life, you're going to get a disease in your gut. And so I was like, oh, wow, I certainly don't want that to happen. (laughs) So the next morning I knew what I had to do and I was absolutely terrified. And I went into the sharing circle of like 25 people And it was funny because the person that started next to me was the first person to have the talking stick. And usually it comes around this like towards me, but this time she passed it the other way. So I had to sit in that sharing circle for an hour and a half, freaking out, knowing that every person that went by, it was just getting closer and closer to me. When instead I could have just been like, no, 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 just pass it to me, please, please, just pass it to me. Like, let me get this over with. Yeah. It made me sit with it for like an hour and a half. And finally, I just, I kind of told him the backstory and was just like, okay, now I have to sing you a song. And like, my whole body was like, Ugh. What was the song you sang? It was, um, it was a Bonnie Ray song, Angel from Montgomery, which is like, I know you have that look on your face that you're about to ask me to sing. No, I'm not going to ask okay, you to sing. God. Yeah, I promise. Um, Unless you want to. <laughs> I mean, I, I prefer not to. <laughs> yeah, it's up to you. Oh, good. I'll sing if I know the lyrics. How's it go? <laughs> I see you. You got me stuck in this damn hot sauna. Did that relate to your sexuality at all? Opening your voice? Yeah, I think so. I think everything's connected. You yeah. know, if you have a blockage anywhere, you can't be fully aligned and, yeah. and present. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what do you feel is the relevant blockage presently, if any, for you? Where it needs the most work? Hmm. I would, I mean, I think it's still, probably still my heart a little bit. Um, just trusting to open up and trusting to love myself more, yeah. you know, like, I do these anytime I'm feeling down or anything. I just like tell myself, you're beautiful. You're amazing. Like you're doing such a great job. You're so loved, you know, and like really just 
take care of myself in that way, which is something that I would have never really done otherwise because I'm always the person that's competitive and like, go, go, go. And what, what can I do better? And I have to do this and I need to do that instead of just like, whoa, slow down for a second and just thank you, body. Yeah. Thank you for letting me, allowing me to have all these cool experiences and open up that way. Where the hell do you think that comes from? So I feel like that's such a common theme. I mean, that's a similar thing for myself. I notice that whenever I'm in any type of like sharing circle or whatever, it always ends up being a lack of self-love or mm-hmm. just belief that I'm I'm worthy or enough or worthy of love, I think is really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, and so I put myself regularly in a role of like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll perpetually be you know, massaging somebody or acroing somebody or doing something to bring value to their life or whatever. And I, I realized that underneath that there's somewhat of like a, a clench of, if I don't bring immediate obvious value, then perhaps I'm not worthy of love, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I see that with a lot of other people as well, but I think that's part of my own trip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think like we're kind of in a society to where it supports that. You know, we're not in a society that says, no, you are enough and you are beautiful just the way you are. Mm. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And I mean, that was me forever and always. Like I was the most competitive. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the prettiest. I wanted to have the best X, Y, and Z. And then I got into an open relationship and it flipped all that on its head. And I think really my, for me personally, you know, my parents divorced when I was really young I didn't, I've never known them together, which I actually preferred, which is funny because I remember my parents talking at one point about getting back together and I was like, God, no, (laughs) no, it's like the same, the same, um, way that people would act if their parents were getting divorced. I'm like, please don't get back together because I was just used to that. Right. Like I was comfortable in that. We just don't want change. We don't want change. Even if the change is killing us, Mm -hmm. not to say that your parents, you know, whatever, but no matter what the situation is, we're just afraid of change. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I remember, you know, there's there was different women that were coming into my life, always wanted to wanting to try to take the mom role and put their rules and regulations onto me. So I learned very young, like, no, 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 that's not how it goes. Like I stand on my own two feet and I'm not going to listen to anything that you have to tell me. And so I always had this very competitive way with women because of that. And I kept that all through high school. I didn't have very many girlfriends. I was constantly competing with them, even in college, the same way. Um, And then I got into an open relationship where I found like, oh, wow, if I continue to compete with them and I continue to be catty with them and I look for ways that I can be better and I'm superior and they're inferior, it actually causes more pain and suffering in separation than totally opening up to the experience and being like, we're sisters. How can we, I know this is challenging for you and I know it's challenging for me. So how can we create a situation to where we both can thrive here? Mm-hmm. How have psychedelics impacted you in, in this, this conversation? Yeah. I mean, psychedelics has been huge. And honestly, this last trip down South was probably the most potent. It was just like, I was really able to let go really just able to surrender to any of the lessons that were going to come. One of the biggest ones for me was pairing MDMA and psilocybin Hmm. and with the, with a blindfold with, you know, kind of a guided music in the background and having like a very strong intention and diving into that because I had the visuals of the psilocybin, but I had the heart opening aspect of the MDMA. So anything right. that came up, it was just like, ah, oh, okay, that's okay. Yeah, I see that totally. That makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. What's has have like challenging things come up during those those experiences? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why people do psychedelics. <laughs> you know, for what the I mean? challenging stuff. Well, to see the challenging stuff. Not me. No. I'm scared of cat. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you? What do you mean? <laughs> no, I mean, I. That's. It's always after the fact. But I, before I do any type of psychedelic, I'm typically have some degree of like sphincter clenching effect. Oh, will well, happen. for sure. I'm. I'm, I'm terrified. Like, oh. Yeah, okay, and I'm always here we like, go. drink the cup. Yeah, <laughs> okay. my intention is like, We're gentle, gentle. Together. Please, please make it as gentle as possible. That would be really, really great. No, I don't want any more. I'm good. Mm, no, and always it's just like <laughs> anything you've been hiding. But let's I think check all of, I think all of that still comes back to like some tendril of of fear. Like as long as there's fear sure. inside of my body, then going into that situation, or maybe going into like partnership with a with a person that could potentially you know, hurt me in quotations, mm -hmm. which, you know, whatever that means, um, then you'll have that, that clenching as you're going into it. So I feel like perhaps doing those, you know, the psychedelic ceremonies is almost like a nice metaphor or, or, or practice for going into partnership with another person. Yeah. Going into fear, going into fear. Yeah. Because we're, regardless if you're in a partnership or not, you you will always have to go into some sort of fear. going to partnership with yourself. Yeah. That's the number one thing. I, I really think even with with relationships, the number one commitment, and I say this about open, but I think this goes for monogamy too. It's the number one thing is making a commitment to yourself to look at your shit. Yeah. Like it, it will, whatever type of relationship construct you are in, it will always bring up something that you haven't looked at. And you can see that as, oh my God, ter scary, I don't want that. Or, wow, this is really interesting. I get to learn this about myself. I didn't know that about myself before. Yeah. What's the difference between polyamorous and monogamous relationship from like the individual work level? Is there any preparation kit that one relationship demands more than the other? I mean, <laughs> that's the thing, right? So many people, we were talking about this a little bit the other day, but so many people point at monogamy and so many people point at polyamory when really at the end of the day, they're very similar other than the fact that you get to have sex with other people and it's talked about. So like those are like the superficial agreements of it. But like the foundation of it is open communication, being honest as possible with your partner, really talking about your desires, how you can co-create this relationship, that there's an infinite way to create your relationship. And that's really what I talk about is I don't like the terms monogamy. I don't like the terms polyamory. I don't right. like the terms open. Why? Because they don't mean shit. Everybody has a different definition for that term. Ta Dr. Tammy Nelson talks about the monogamy continuum, which is basically monogamy, depending on who you talk to, can be from you can't watch porn because I consider that cheating right. to you can go off and have sex with somebody, but as long as you come home to me and I'm the king or the queen of the household. And so we aren't doing monogamy from its original definition. So we're all making it up already. So why do we put these labels on it and try to live our lives under someone else's idea of what that looks like? Like come up with your own definition of what monogamy is. Come up with your own definition of open or poly or any of that. Yeah. yeah all the rules of what is considered, what's put in the box of sex, what is within that box and outside of that box is really, it seems quite like, uh, I don't know, small-minded or cute. It's like childish. Yeah, and it's, it's for sure. And it, I mean, it's one Good way Penetration, that we, like yeah. that's set. We're for sure sex right now, 100%. Right. Anything Everything other than else that. Everything else is fine. Yeah, right. it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> totally. You can pee on me, whatever you're uh, doing. 
Once it goes in. <laughs> and I think that's what's so good about, well, I, I find that anytime I post about something about open on, you know, Instagram or whatever, I get the people who think that monogamy is the only way, which fine. If you think monogamy is the only way, do you, boo? Like for sure, do you? Yeah. But just for a second, think how different our world would be if everybody wasn't trying to get everyone to live under how they live their life. Like we, the cool thing about relationships and the cool thing about humans is that we're all so incredibly different. And that's what's so fun about life. And when we come into relationship, our relationships are going to be just as different and unique as we are as individuals. Yeah. And so if we can just see it like that and see it as, okay, this is their superpower because that's unique to them. That's beautiful. And that's how they choose to live their life. I think the world would be a much happier place. It was Aubrey's idea, right? To be open? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to. I hated it. I broke up. We broke up. I was like, fuck that. I'm out. Now you got like your poly flag. You're like marching. Well, I mean, I'm for whatever relationship you specifically want to be in. What about for you? Where are you at? It depends. It would still depend on the partner. Or do you feel like mm-hmm. for you presently, Polly is, is makes the most sense. Yeah. Again, titles aside, whatever, but yeah, for me right now, I'm, you know, recently quote unquote single. And so this is one of the first times that I've been really single in a long time. And I'm enjoying that to the max because I want this time in my life to do as I please without the influence, um, of someone else. Yeah. Like what feels solely right for me in this moment. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just kind of exploring that and doing, doing me and focusing on my own freedom and how I can continue to grow. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, people ask me all the time, right? So are you ever going to be open again because your relationship failed, you know? And it's like, it's such a silly one, thing. it didn't fail. Um, two, yeah, probably. And three, I might even be in a monogamous relationship at some point in my life. Like, I'm not the type of person to say I'm going to be poly for the rest of my life or single or monogamous for the rest of my life. It just depends on what stage of my life that I'm in and who I'm dating and what's going on. And then I'll make the de- decision from there. For people that are in a monogamous relationship now, what is the the recipe for transitioning into exploring opening the relationship up? Well, it depends on if both partners are aware of that. <laughs> so if one partner wants to transition, but the other one doesn't know about it, it's time to have kind of a conversation, you know, at least be able to explore that conversation on an intell- intellectual level without the pressure of actually doing it. Yeah. So be able to talk about it without saying, Hey, we don't, don't worry. I don't want to go out and do this right now. You know, I just want to kind of explore this. Here's a book that you can read. You can read Untrue or Sex at Dawn or Ethical Slut. Um, Here's some podcasts that you can listen to. You know, you can listen to my podcast, True Sex and Wild Love. Um, Or, you know, me and Aubrey have done multiple podcasts on it. And just start to get the conversation going and start to get the conversation moving before you're like, hey, I want to do an open relationship. Okay, bye. And what pops up? What are the common kind of pitfalls of opening a relationship up in the first month or two? So one is pacing, I would say, um, of just being aware of your partner's what the challenges are that are going to come up. And so not totally jumping in. So a lot of people think that we think so extreme and we think so binary. And we think like if we're in an open relationship, then we're going to be in full polyamorous relationships. And we're going to have having sex at, yeah. right out of the gates. I mean, or, orgasmic med- masturbation circles yeah. and we're on every night. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so maybe that might be a good way to start actually maybe. because you're only doing it to yourself. If you live in Venice. Yeah. It's not likely. It's what you should do. <laughs> I found out. <laughs> um, but I think like realizing that, okay, maybe just going on a dinner date first. Also having a, like a time that you're going to be home is really helpful. So if you're going on a date, you go at eight o'clock, I'm going to be home no later than midnight and really hold true to that. Because if you don't do that, then your partner is constantly wondering when you're going to be home. And then that's when the stories start to swirl and the assumptions and, oh my God, what are they doing? And are they having sex? And are they doing that? And you can also have the, you know, the idea of we're either going to have sex or, or we're not going to have sex and just stick true to those because that's a part of the pacing to make your partner feel safe and trust trusted through that. Yep. Um, I think also sugarcoating is like rampant when it comes to this um, because it's really easy to not be upfront and honest with how much fun you had or how good it was right. or, and so you, and you, and you try to like downplay it. And then a little bit more of the truth comes out and a little bit more of the truth comes out. So it feels like your partner's out of the know. And so what I've experienced and what I've experienced through coaching a lot of people through this is offering up that information and letting your partner feel like they're really a teammate with you in this. Because you're doing this for fun. You're doing this to have a good time and really you know, learn more about yourself and your partner. And so if you guys are fully in a primary partnership, then how can you do that and create a safe place for both of you guys? Yeah, the I think the common argument from the monogamous camp would be that perhaps the polyamorous, one, they're seeking this illusion of like the grass is always greener kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, perhaps they may be missing out on depth that they could have encountered had they stuck with that individual. Mm-hmm. Kind of like sitting in like a long meditation or the cold plunge or whatever. You know, you get in, it sucks for a minute, minute and a half or whatever. And then it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Totally. And if you run a long ass marathon, there's a point where it becomes almost transcendent. Mm-hmm. If you run a long ass relationship, maybe there's a place where it's like, oh, wow. Had yeah. I switched before that I never would have experienced this mm-hmm. yeah no doubt I, I think there's a, a way to deepen intimacy within relationships without opening it up you know for if you've been together for 20 25 years totally there's always new ways um, people don't really explore that all that often because I feel like we're not really taught yeah. much of that you know you have to really go out on your own and figure that out um, so yeah you whoever thinks that way sure if that works for you then you're totally right um i think there's also the argument that you can deepen that intimacy within an open and poly relationship because you are put in very challenging situations to where you have no choice other than to really show up for your partner like really you can't sweep anything under the rug like it's all out on the open and you have to sit there and have these uncomfortable conversations and be very very uncomfortable and and have a teammate with on like with you like you are fully allies in this you can't not do it any other way hmm. is there parts of yourself i imagine there are uh what parts of yourself have you encountered through relationship with aubrey that you don't think you would have accessed alone well like that example i said earlier was being friends with women i had i now have an incredible girl group that cool. I love so, so much and that I'm so open with and there is no competition. And I think it's because we've had the challenging conversations with each other and, you know, they see me go through open and trying to navigate that and they've been there and I've opened up to them about it. And so we all kind of have this mindset of like, okay, how can we support each other? And we all know that we're stronger together. Like I was saying, like if we, 
Oh, that's my, this is nice. What? My phone does a, at 314, this is a cute thing. I mean, this is terrible and embarrassing, but at 314, my phone does a, a thankfulness alarm. Yay. <laughs> So what do so, you do? Well, so my friend has this company. This is shameless advertising for my buddy, uh, but this company called Pi. And so he put it in my my phone. I that, think I knew someone else that did that. Yeah. So at three fourteen every day, we do a, a, a gratitude moment. Okay. So are we gonna do it? Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great thing. Um, just pointing out a thing that you're grateful for, like right now. It's like what like comes to mind. Well, since I was just talking about my girlfriends, I'll be very <laughs> grateful for them and like them supporting me and being on that path with me, even though they may not be living it themselves, but just being totally open to who I am and allowing me to figure things out for myself. So, mm. Thanks, ladies. I'm grateful for people like you coming into my life and teaching me how to open my heart and communicate. Um, my feelings and like deeper, more vulnerable parts. Um, I get to learn a lot through you with that. So I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I think the alarm shouldn't go off again, hopefully. So what was, uh, yeah. So connecting with women, women, connecting with women, which you would think would be the complete opposite, right? Because if you're, if you're, what we're learned is that you have to protect your man from any other woman, woman. Yeah, right. And so then we opened it to where that protection was gone. So it actually opened me up to that relationship with him as opposed to try to shut it away. And you can't look and don't hang out and don't be around. And how can I protect my, you know, little illusion yeah. <laughs> that I've created in my mind? Yeah. What do you think about uncovering repressed memories and aspects of ourselves that... I imagine there's a whole bunch of shit inside of all of us that we just don't, it's just a shadow. Yeah. Um, how yeah. does one start shoveling that stuff up if they feel like it? Is that even the right decision to do? I mean, I can't say if it's right or wrong. You yeah. know, for me, it was the right thing to do because I was living in a way that was dull yeah. to a certain extent, numb, yeah. right? Because I didn't really truly know myself. And so if you're called to it, I think it's, okay, I want to know who I am. I want to know what's programmed and what's not programmed. I want to know what my desires truly are because I'm deciding them, not because my parents or our society or my friends did it for me. It's really figuring out who the core you are when you get to make all the decisions. Yeah. And so, I think psychedelics helps with that personally for me, but I don't want to like go do psychedelics, figure it out. Yeah. Totally up to you. <laughs> so what about people that want to spark more, more passion into their love life? That maybe they they've been, or maybe maybe they've been with somebody for a month, and it's just like uh, any anywhere in the course. How do we start the process of of bringing more passion into one's love life? Drum roll. Yeah. Is communication. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it, huh? Yeah, it really is. Nobody wants to talk about anything. It's, that's not very it's, sexy at all. No, it's not. Right. I wish I could be like, Ooh, there's this secret recipe that only I know. To put but your no, it's like thirteen degrees yeah, exactly. to the left. Yeah. But the only way that you even know how to do that is by communicating with your partner. We all love different touch, and we all love different touch at different times, and we want to try. Um, different things you know and so the only way that you get to know that is by like saying yes i like that or no i don't prefer that or you know and like going through that process what's the practice of communication look like how does one cultivate that 
say you're you're just so habituated to being afraid to communicate or having like you singing in your your circle you do it you, you fucking decide, do it. Yeah. <laughs> you big like, jerk. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it gets down to a point of, of there is a lot of practices that you can do. Think of it like a muscle. Like I like to kind of call it emotional muscle memory yeah, instead right. of like physical muscle muscle memory. And so it's it's flexing that muscle as much as you can. If you're just completely closed off, then practice on having a conversation with a friend of yours and telling them something that you haven't told them before or write down five things that you haven't told someone and bring in be like hey I want to I want you to I'm working on something and I want you to know me a bit better and so I'm going to tell you five things you didn't know about me and so it kind of makes you a little bit vulnerable um I also think like if you're going into a conversation particularly with your partner or someone you know it's challenging for you to fully open up to um and if you feel like you get into that situation and fear pops up and it holds you back and it shuts down your voice and fear kind of like constricts you and you start to just agree for no reason and whatever else yeah. um, to really write everything out, have your bullet points down and say like, OK, I know this is I, for me. I have to write all of this down to make sure I hit the points that I really want to make because this, this is important for me. Hmm. And then that way you don't have yourself, you don't have an out. Like you have everything written down and you hold yourself accountable through that. And then you kind of become the witness of it instead of being so in your head and so in your emotions and so in your mind, you can look down at the paper and say, oh yeah, let me remove myself a little bit. These are the things that I really want to talk about and that I haven't before because I've been too afraid. Yeah. Is there anything that, that stand out for things that particularly you've been afraid to, to talk about in relationship with, with Aubrey or in general? In life in general I, things that make your your sphincters clench up yeah i mean for me it was it was i always wanted to you know appease him and make him happy like i'll i'll push down my own truth for that because yeah. he did so much for me and then i love him so much that i will just put myself in the corner and not be able to talk about it yeah. you know until finally that doesn't work any longer like i guess they say people react you know or do something out of inspiration or desperation. And for me, I didn't really have much of the inspiration. It was more at a desperate point because I was like, I can't live like this any longer. It's harder for me to know what my truth is and not live my truth or speak my truth, whatever it is, yeah. than, you know, put myself down. We're blowing up down there. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I've, I started it with my damn 3.14 stuff. I'm turning it on good night mode. I mean... <laughs> do, not, do not disturb me. I think my thing hopefully is on. Oh no, I'm I'm about to. You blow just my snoozed shit it. Yeah, I didn't do it right. You're about I, to do I got I got excited. All day. To, to, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you? What's your plan with uh, uh, coaching people? You've made a transition in your yeah, life. Yeah, I did. What's this look like? It's amazing. I absolutely love it. So I, I coach people of all relationship backgrounds. And cool. They're. It started off more in the open, like I can help couples really transition into that and be like, these are the ro these are the pit stops and these are the road stops and you got to watch out for this and there's a pothole ahead, trust me. Um, and these are some things that you can do to make it easier. Um, and so that was been really re rewarding. And there's a lot of people who are interested in this. And it's what's interesting is most people think that men are heading this up because they want to have sex with other people. But from what I find is it's more women who are wanting to open up their sexuality and open up their relationship and their communication <laughs> than men. <laughs> and that's exactly what, you know, Wednesday Martin has put in her book untrue that goes with the scientific findings that they're, you know, releasing now, which is really cool. 
Um, so it started off as that, but now it's transitioned into, you know, people who are single and they're dating to people who are in long-term monogamous relationships don't want to open up the container at all, but they want to learn how to communicate a little bit better or they yeah. want to learn how to spice up their sex life or they just want someone to talk to that isn't going to judge them. And that's what I find a lot is somebody that's just like, I don't have anyone to talk to about this. Yeah. And I've talked to other therapists and, and I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. I totally do it through my own experience. Um, that's just how I do it. And if that resonates with you, then great. If not totally go to somebody else. Um, but they feel like, man, I really just want someone to see me and hear me and tell me that I'm not crazy for thinking this way. And it's it's the same for everybody almost, you know, and it's really beautiful to be able to create such a safe container for whatever comes up, for the tears, for the anger, for the happiness, for saying things that they've never said to anybody before. It's it's one of the most amazing things that I I have done, I feel like, and I, I truly love it. What do you, how was the experience with kind of like in a sense, like reinventing yourself in that direction? Is it, was there any kind of feelings of like imposter syndrome that pop up or any feelings of like, who am I to do this or anything oh, yeah. like that? What's, yeah. What's that, that goes like? back to that worthiness too, right? Like yeah. I want to be perfect and really good at everything that I do. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> so that was a transition because I was working for Glory Kickboxing for two years before that doing commentating for kickboxing. And that was basically my dream job. I wanted to be in sports broadcasting ever since I was young, but I wanted to be in a sport that I knew what I was talking about. So being on the sidelines of a sport that I didn't play didn't make sense for me. Yep. So I went into fighting and I learned how to fight and I took a fight and was like, okay. And you won that fight. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And now I have that experience. So then they brought me on and I, that was, it was so much fun. I loved that job so much. And I loved the people that I worked with. And, but really there came a point. So I was being hit up and Aubrey was being hit up constantly for relationship advice. Cause we had talked about it on podcasts before and people just wanted answers and they didn't know where to go for it. And I was interviewing somebody, um, at Madison square garden in ring and it was the world champion. So I was interviewing the world champion in ring at Madison square garden. Dope. Boom. <laughs> on ESPN. Like, wow, I really did it. But as I was interviewing um, this guy, this message kind of popped in my head and said, you know, why are you telling his story when you have a story to tell? Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, you're right. God, is that you? I don't Something know. Like it, was, it was me. Um, and I knew that moment that I had to quit my job and pursue this because that's what, what I really, truly wanted to do. And I was terrified because I was really sad. And I also had this this um, approval and validation seeking. I loved my ego loved working for Glory Kickboxing because you meet a girl who's a commentator for kickboxing. That's dope. You never you don't like that's a cool thing to be able to say. And then I have this, you know, I want to uh, I've always searched for approval for my dad and want to show him that I'm doing a really good job. So here I am on ESPN like I'm doing it, dad. And my boss was older and I was afraid to tell him that I was quitting because then Maybe he wouldn't approve of me and he would look down on me, you know? Yeah. And so it was all this shit that was coming up, but I knew I had to do it. And so I ended up, you know, quitting and going full force into coaching. And it was t terrifying at first, you know? Maybe I am not good enough for this. 
Um, maybe I do need to go to school. Maybe I do need to read all of the books. And I, and I do consume as much knowledge as I possibly can. You know, I'm doing Layla Martin's course, year-long course, which is 12 and a half hours a week. So it's like I'm going back to school for a year and all love, sex, and relationships. So I'm always consuming. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's like looking at their life to see what they have done to make them as unique and give them the superpowers that they have. And so for me, it was, you know, my whole life basically primed me for this. And I really, truly believed that. And then going through, you know, the open relationship for five and a half years and everything that I learned from that primed me too. And so it's like, I always look that I've had, I've lived multiple lives in my life, you know, like growing up was and, and competing in all the sports I could possibly get my hands on was one life. Then I went into pageants and was Miss United States. That's another life. Then I went from pageants into fighting. That's another life. And then I went from fighting into, you know, love, sex, and relationships. Was there doubt on each one? Yeah. But yeah. it's all, I mean, I think that's part of the beauty of it is that I always doubted myself in some form or fashion or had fear that would hold me back. But I, I knew I had to find out. I've always always been the type of person and my parents has have told me my whole life you know Whitney you just do what you want to do yeah and it wasn't like they liked that because I wouldn't really listen to them because I wanted to understand for myself not take someone's word for it um and so that's why I took that into my life like I don't I didn't want someone to tell me what it was like to win a beauty pageant I wanted to go through the experience I didn't know I didn't want to hear you know someone tell me about a fight I want to get in the ring at fight like let me Find out what it feels like to be punched in the face. Let me find out what it feels like to punch somebody else in the face. And like with open, Aubrey, you know, wanted to be in an open relationship. And at first I was like, fuck that. I'm out. I don't want, I can't do that. I'm too afraid. And then I was, I said, I didn't have an answer. I didn't know if I really could be in an open relationship or not. So let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Saddle up. So for people that are in some type of transition in their life and experiencing fear and imposter stuff and all that, um, is there any kind of tutelage for, for those people to kind of move through that? What do you mean tutelage? Oh, just like advice or whatever. You know, some, <laughs> tutelage is a fun, fun, a fun group of sounds. I'm gonna, is that a real word? I'm tutelage. Yeah. That's, that's real shit. Cool. Tutelage. I'm sticking that in my pocket I mean, I, maybe not. I don't know. We got to look that up. Oh, well, now I'm going to use it and I'm going to sound <laughs> we'll look it not Tutelage is right. That's a thing. Um, I think using your fear as your guiding star, right? Use that uncomfortability as that's exactly where I need to go. I right. want to know why that is there for me. Why? And that's why, you know, for me, being in that open relationship when it comes to jealousy, like jealousy is really challenging and scary and people think that you can, you just have jealousy. Yeah, you do have jealousy and you have jealousy in all of your relationships a lot of the times. And I am not past jealousy. I still feel jealous and, and there's shame around feeling jealous. We should not feel jealous. Well, whatever. Like we're all going to feel jealous, but get curious as to why you feel jealous. Is it worthiness? Is it self-love? Are you afraid of abandonment? Like what is it? Get really, really curious about it. And then if it's even in like, you know, business or with your children or you know, fill in the blank. It's always using that, like, ah, uh, that constriction is there. Why is it there? Because I always see it as if you have a wound on your skin and someone pokes in your wound, that shit's going to hurt. But if you don't have that scarred over, it just, uh, it just bounces right off of you. I think same with fear and same with any of our insecurities. I like it. 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we gotta wrap this bitch up. You got you got a life to live out there in the I gotta mean go streets of Santa tutelage. Monica. You gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go find another masturbation circle. <laughs> I would like to do that. I used to do that when I was like twelve or thirteen. And hang out with our our dude a friends and, and spank. Well, when we wouldn't be circling. I guess it would be. I mean, we'd be auto auto masturbating. I guess that's just called I like masturbating. How you use the word auto. I just tried. That there was unnecessary. That was redundant. Yeah, it's just we wouldn't be circling. I envision a circle like I'm reaching over. Off. Okay. No, it was all. But we were just discovering ourselves. Yeah. That's what you do as a little guy. Yeah. It was weird. We'd I hang think, out. Yeah, and that, <laughs> I think that needs to be talked about more too, like pleasure for little guys. You know? like oh yeah, little guy pleasure. How to Good please point. yourself? I didn't have anything. No one had anything. Like our sexual education in this country is is bonkers. <laughs> it's really only thirteen states have to be medically accurate in their sexual education. Huh. Think about that. 13 states have to be medically accurate. Everyone what does that mean? Like they like, put the nope. clitoris on like the belly button? They don't even have to talk about the clitoris probably. Like I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but it's there. It doesn't have to be accurate. Huh. What do we need to do to change this? God, I mean, everything. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I, would, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like I would love to throw an event and take all of the proceeds to reforming our sexual education in this country or coming out with our own sexual education. Like there is just Let's do it. a lot of BS out there and it drives me crazy and I think we should totally do it. Well, you said it. Now it's now it's going to have to happen. All right then. All right. Hit me up if anyone wants to throw a really cool event about would, sex. All right. And so what would what would how how do little guys start to or maybe adults whatever that means listening to this start paving the way for little guys to learn about their their sexuality? I mean, I don't have like a, I wish I could give a full answer. I also don't have kids, so I don't know the full ins and outs of what it, that's like. You know, yeah, I've talked yeah. to my, my brother about it and he has two kids and the, you know, my nephew's just getting into that age to where they have porn right here in, at their hands. Yeah. No matter. And so I think it's like really trying to open up the conversation and being like, it's cool. Like, don't worry about it. It's no, it's not shameful. Understanding that porn is basically for entertainment purposes. Like it's like going and watching a play. Yeah. You know? Um, it's like a movie. It's, yeah, not it's not real right. and it's not accurate. And that's not where you should get your education from. I think it's valuable treating children more like people than mm -hmm. children. You know, yep. it's like adults are, are scared to use certain words or we give them, you know, plastic knives and plastic stoves and all this bullshit. Meanwhile, like the real thing is right there. You just take the time to actually incorporate your child into your life mm -hmm. and make them be your little buddy that helps support you as opposed to giving them this fictional world in like the back corner of the house. Yep. Yeah, there's this, <laughs> I, there's this woman, I believe her name is Sue Jo Johnson, I could be saying that wrong, but I was listening to her on a, a podcast recently in which, and she talks all about pleasure and sexual education, um, and she has a young daughter, in which, well, I loved this idea, what she did was, while you know, while she was like rubbing her little daughter on the arm, or like on the back or something, she would ask, do you like that? Does that feel good? Mm. And so, and do mm. you want to, does it, you want it softer? Or how do you want me to scratch your back? How do you want me to scratch your head? And so it, it programs them to be okay to talk about exactly what they want and what they don't want. Yeah. I just think that's amazing. So we got to do that in, in adult relationship too, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, so many times we do things that we don't really want to do. 
that doesn't we fake orgasms we pretend like things feel good when they don't feel good and it's like but your sex life could just be so much better i think there's a fear of asking a person if it feels good because there's like this kind of unspoken pressure to know everything right we're supposed to be perfect like right out of the gates yeah so if you're asking questions it means that you're not like the dawn of all things sexuality so you just keep your mouth closed and your girlfriend will keep fake orgasming and we'll just live this kind of weird yeah exactly until there's like the resentment that builds up and then you guys aren't having sex and then you probably split up so we just got to talk about it touch the parts Touch the back and like the back of the knees. Lick, lick the knees. Totally. <laughs> back Wait, of the knees. Feet, <laughs> neck, whatever. Where else needs contact? The body. Probably I mean, the anus. Well, yeah. Can I say anus? It's not very sexy. It's not, but what I, do mean, I, say? I don't know who would. Poop shoot? That's worse. Third eye? Fourth eye? Freckles. <laughs> I, heard someone call, I heard someone call it the freckle the other day. I was like, that's pretty cute, actually. No, that belittles it. It's so much more than a freckle. It's I'll just, just, a, it just a freckle. It's like calling the sun a, a little meteor. So call it. That's still belittling it. Asshole. We need to give it, we need to give it a, we freckle. need to give the asshole a place at the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of pleasure can be made through the asshole or the anus. How do we do that? How do we cultivate anal, anal pleasure? Um, I think first, if you haven't talked about it, maybe just, you know, how, how do you feel about this? And I think, I think the thing is you can go to your partner and say, you know, I want to give you the best sex possible. Is there anything that you want to try that I haven't done yet? How is the best way that I can please you? Or taking time to be like, you know what, tonight is all about you or 30 minutes is all about you. I just want to completely pleasure if there's anything you want me to do but i think sometimes the person receiving that might still have so much shame that they won't know how to vocalize okay well this is what i want right you know what so I'm saying? Then, yeah so if that is that can be case, a lot of pressure you're like you oh have... anything i'm like oh i don't know maybe dog missionary <laughs> something but then you just say like well maybe try this or maybe try yeah make suggestions i think that's the thing is i think right. you need to actively make suggestions to put it on the table and say okay well how does this feel mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot of it, me personally, if I receive that question now, I'm becoming just like, you know, more of like a, a freakier person in general, you know, so I'm evolving. Um, but previous me would be like, I, I mean, I just like sex, you know, I don't know, you don't right. need to doing weird, weird stuff. There's also like a practice that you can do with your partner, whoever, um, that if you really want to learn about their body, it's you can, whether you're kissing their neck or you're going down on them or whatever it is, there's like a rating system from one to 10. Mm. Like if they're kissing your neck and you're like, God, that feels so fucking good. That's like a nine or a 10. Like, yes, I love that. Mm. If they're doing, they're, you know, pulling their hair and it's too intense or they're doing it wrong. You know, it's like, oh, that's like a two, you know? And so just kind of coming up with a rating system without saying like, you're doing a horrible job. I want you to do this. It's just rating it. Plus there's other areas to where like, Ooh, I, I kind of like that, but not a whole lot. So maybe that's like a seven or a six, yeah. you know, is there a way to make that better to make it a 10? How can I make it a 10? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! I love this topic. Um, yeah, this is fun. Uh, where do people go from here? Where, where should people, people want to check your podcast out would be, be a likely yes. direction to go. Check my podcast out. It's True Sex and Wild Love. 
with my co-host, Dr. Wednesday Martin. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. I She's love her. She's goddamn fabulous. And it's fun for us because, you know, she has like the full scientific background of it. And I have like, I go and experience some of these things so I can just like talk about anything and everything that I do. Yeah. Um, so we have some pretty good banter there. Is she in the front lines as well? Is she out there in the, in the uh, experiential realm or is she more in the books? She's more in the books, I think. Yeah, we gotta change that up. Books. You I guys mean, probably learning from I each mean, other. I mean, for the for the book on true, she went to like skirt club and she went to different clubs and stuff to really understand it and interview people from it. So she's been out there for sure. Yeah, I'm just the one that doesn't have much of a filter, and so it just kind of flies out. Good. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. Whatever I do, people are gonna know about it <laughs> because I hope I hope it's like fun for people. Plus. Maybe it just normalizes the conversation. Yeah. Because everyone, a lot of people are doing this. Oh, yeah. But everyone's a little too scared to talk about it. And I don't, I just want to be able to talk about it for everyone. I love it. Live vicariously through me. So, yes, True Sex and Wild Love podcast available on all platforms for podcasts. And then you can check me out on Instagram, wit, the letter N, L O V E. So, wit and love. And do you actively take clients yes. presently? Mm hmm. Cool. Where do they, where do they, where's the best place to find you? Um, email me. You can either DM me on Instagram. I, I try to check as many DMs as I possibly can. Right. Um, and get back to you or email me at Whitney, the letter N L O V E at gmail.com. I love it. I'm looking forward to the book that manifests from all of this whenever, yes. whenever that comes. It will be coming. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I right. do. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm really hot. It's, it's time to get out of this space. All right. Over now. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to present y'all with a fun opportunity of starting a program that I created called the Align Method Online Program that focuses on unwinding the unsightly patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, hyperkyphotic spine, disengaged glutes, knees collapsing in. If there's collapse in any level in the body, it will trickle up and down through the rest of the system. That program focuses on unwinding those things, giving you self-care practices, movement practices, and lifestyle adjustments, very subtle ones, that will give you all more flexibility, more strength, more confidence, more energy, all the good things. Um, and you can start the first week absolutely free and just go to alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N method. Along with that guy, you will receive the Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band with a door anchor, and that also comes with its own online program that is free with that thing. Go to alignband.com and start that program for free. Um, I think that's it. I so greatly appreciate you guys listening to this conversation. So greatly appreciate reviews on iTunes, sharing uh, on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or wherever you do your shares. Uh, this program goes on lives on because of y'all so um it doesn't go unnoticed thank you for listening thank you for reviews thanks for joining your life enjoy <laughs>